Hello listeners, you are listening to Bangalore Bits. This is episode 5. Uh, we are going to talk about uh, Pivotal Cloud Foundry today. Um, hey Subhu, how are you? Good. How was your trip? Yeah, it was nice. Uh, and we are also excited to introduce our special guest today, uh, who is an expert in cloud technologies, specifically around platform as a service area. Uh, his name is Murli. Uh, hey Murli. Uh, Hi, welcome Subhu. to Bangalore Bits. Hi, we, Subhu. We are excited to have you here. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is my first podcast and uh, it's very exciting to talk to both the Subhus at once. <laughs> <laughs> so, we are equally excited. So, let's get started. So, uh, we are going to talk about Cloud Foundry, right? And, and this is um, one of the happening uh, sort of company in the Silicon Valley area, I think. Right. And uh, is, uh, they attracted a lot of investments, specifically from GE kind of companies uh, invested on those technologies. So, I mean, why don't you just start by giving us a brief history about what, how Pivotal came along and from where they yeah. came. Yeah. So, so Pivotal, uh, Pivotal is a company which is uh, uh, having predominantly three areas. One is... Uh, their uh, agile labs they call it as pivotal labs and the uh, other uh, next key item is uh, uh, pivotal cloud foundry and the other piece is uh, the data lake but before uh, pivotal came into existence uh, today i mean specifically talking about the cloud foundry cloud foundry uh, it is uh, some of the google uh, developers and uh, some designers uh, they came out during uh, 2008 out of Google and they kind of started playing around with the Linux container technologies and they created a platform. They named it as uh, uh, Cloud Foundry. And over a period of time, uh, a person by name Chris Richardson, he is kind of known as the original founder of uh, Cloud Foundry. Uh, he took it uh, and he uh, hosted it as a service running in uh, Amazon Web Services. So that is how uh, the pivot, uh, Cloud Foundry came into existence. Soon after that, it was uh, he kind of ran it for an year, and the Spring uh, open source community or the Spring source, so called, they acquired um, the Cloud Foundry. And soon after the acquisition, maybe in the same month, it was taken over by uh, VMware. Right. Okay. Yeah. After a while, VMware was trying to run around with that, and VMware got acquired with uh, EMC. Uh, Paul Maritz, who is the CEO of uh, VMware. Uh, they found that this is kind of a very critical product in the in the cloud space and it might be uh, interfering with some of their product offering with respect to the core VMware. So they want to give it a specific yeah. focus, so they spin yeah. it off a separate company. Yeah, company. so they spun it off uh, and they got a good uh, support from GE. GE invested around… Uh, 300 million somewhere. Yeah, somewhere it started with 100 million dollars, uh, then over a period of time they… Hmm. They kind of uh, invested more. They, GE thought instead of they working on their own company, they are building their own skills. They thought com- uh, working right. with this open source uh, should help. So that kind of grew and uh, Pivotal was uh, spun out of that. So they started with this. Uh, this is how the okay. Cloud Foundry uh, came in. Initially, they were uh, working it in the in the in the proprietary mode but then uh, they had plans for making it open source so what are their current offerings uh, today so uh, can you talk about what are the major offering i know one of the key thing is about the private cloud right yeah 
so, so what other things they offer so in the pivotal uh, side they have this cloud foundry uh, one of the main thing which is uh, which they are running on the public cloud is uh, called pivotal web services now this is the complete cloud foundry uh, hosted solution running in amazon so you oh, can okay. mm-hmm. you can uh, run your applications they are supporting uh, uh, various uh, platform services and they are kind of adding every services now and then so that is their uh, primary offering or or i would say it's a cloud offering other key offering which uh, they are uh, doing is the is the private or hosted uh, in house uh, solution which is called pivotal cloud foundry okay so which uh, brings in pieces which is required for enterprises to manage their organization pieces and uh, it can run in their own uh, iaas layer like uh, uh, like openstack or uh, vmware vsphere okay. mm-hmm. so that is the second stack and the third one which uh, they have open sourced is the cloud is called cloud foundry foundation which is uh, the core of the cloud foundry which is open source now they have created a consortium uh, where ibm and uh, uh, ibm hp rackspace they are they are all its partners partners and yeah. it's it's kind of uh, a 40 member consortium who are driving and some of them have their own hosted solution hosted pass platforms based on cloud foundry okay. so these are the some of their solutions okay so uh, coming to the on premise version um, so they i understand they have both a sort of a subscription based model sure. and also a free an open source sort of edition right correct so what 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 are those differences in those things so if i let's say take an open source edition and try to build it what all things i will miss yeah apart from the support are there anything uh, they significantly do in the commercial edition yeah so some of the th- key things which which they are doing in the commercial edition is the installation experience so when you take the open source edition and installation uh, and try to install it's kind of uh, a painful experience yeah they have tried to uh, smoothen it up but then uh, in the in the commercial version they have a very nice uh, interface which is called uh, Uh, ops manager so you just install the ops manager and rest of the integration with your networking your vcenter or if you want to add and remove the components that experience is kind of very seamless that is okay. that is the key part and the other thing from the uh, administration of applications and uh, other aspects what they have done is uh, they have uh, created something called uh, pivotal console uh, which so when we take the open source version there is uh, there's a controller and you talk to the uh, cloud foundry using all the apis you you have to execute all the command lines they have created a nice uh, user interface where okay. you can manage your organizations and you can kind of create pretty much whatever is required in any enterprise they have also a module wherein you can manage your application so you have an application so where you want to increase from one instance or you want to bring your application down you want to add users so that is that piece is kind of very nicely done apart from that in the recent version they have also used uh, introduce something called uh, usage metrics so if enterprises wants to do kind of billing for their internal usage if they have uh, multiple departments so they can take this usage metrics and Uh, okay. build their uh, end user so these are these are the key things apart from that they have uh, some specific offerings which is available only in the 
commercial version okay. they have whatever their proprietary offering they have something called marketplace and uh, you can see you can add them in the marketplace of course that will be costing extra but uh, mm-hmm. that is so that is, uh, what are the services they offer like say uh, do they offer like application services messaging like that yeah. uh, how how rich is their offering today yeah so before getting into the offering i mean if you see cloud foundry uh, as a platform they uh, there are they have kind of divided into three areas one is uh, they have a of uh, the cloud foundry can run in a micro mode uh, yeah. wherein you take one desktop and you can install pretty much the entire cloud foundry mm-hmm. that is called micro cloud and they can run in the on premise and also you can run in the hybrid mode that is the way you can operate of course now micro cloud foundry it is not no more supported or uh, they oh, are okay. kind of mm. making away the other area is the platform is the frameworks now framework side they have uh, support for various uh, frameworks like your java scala ruby node.js and uh, most of the frameworks it is supported by a concept called build packs so you have to build uh, you have to create a build pack and then start using it another key thing here is uh, they have uh, a framework which they have given so that if you have your own uh, proprietary or uh, okay. proprietary mm-hmm. framework you can kind of build it so right. this is this is one thing now for the services part so they call databases or uh, the queues and all those things as services there are lot of services available now uh, so uh, there are two modes you can run i'll i'll talk about that so uh, coming to that so do they uh, do they support this commercial software as well and i mean commercial for example tech database right mm-hmm. i know they may support the op- open editions like mysql postgres or whatever. so do they also support oracle no so what they have is they have uh, some of their uh, tools and uh, they have also worked with some of the uh, industry experts for example uh, mysql they mm. uh, they supported postgresql they supported but oracle they they don't offer uh, any support okay. mm. Uh, so But, uh, does oracle give something like a build pack <laughs> no no so uh, oracle yeah, in enterprise is the big deal <laughs> right they, they just want yeah this. yeah so what they are uh, there there is no build pack as such for oracle but what they are what they are trying to do is they are uh, uh, they are they have uh, brought in a concept called service brokers mm. so what you can do is if you have a database you can uh, write implement this uh, you implement the entire service running inside the cloud foundry or the service broker it will kind of ask you to implement four or five interfaces the crud operations so if you want to create uh, say for example oracle instance it will make a rest call rest api call uh, with the create request so if there is a system or a small program okay. or whatever you implement it can actually create a oracle instance and uh, it can come back with the credentials and these credentials are automatically associated with your applications so similarly so your oracle is running completely outside but your developers perspective you just go there and uh, you start creating and doing it okay. so what what is done in the industry for example sap sap has created uh, a service broker for hana okay. sap hana service broker so if you want to connect to sap you just have to configure this and uh, configure the sap uh, hana instance and people can start creating and playing around with uh, hana your applications can connect seamlessly so that is their model for the things which is not supported uh, or if you already so not like natively you know yeah so uh, sometimes uh, bringing this entire oracle running natively on cloud foundry that is 
that is a big task so right, right. this is the alternative thing. so how about the other cloud concepts like uh, auto scaling the whole elasticity sort of thing right yeah so do they handle all that i mean uh, provided you have the sufficient hardware thrown at it right yeah yeah so this so underlying uh, so how easy is it to scale for example so one thing why i think uh, subhu you can pitch in like he is a big fan of amazon and, <laughs> and <laughs> the elasticity is there is what excites us right so you don't need to worry about anything right i mean yeah. you just i think we are talking about uh, the beanstalk uh, elastic elastic whatever it's called so it automatically scales the whole thing right. so you just deploy the code and then based on the load it scales so this how how difficult is it if you do it on premise right like on a private cloud thing yeah and also uh, how easy is it to let's say if the uh, whatever the hardware capacity i have in on premise is not sufficient whatever the concept is, i don't know if it's still relevant it's called cloud busting so do they support that let's say it can automatically spawn on amazon or azure any of those public clouds yeah so i mean i i should i think there are too many questions i will answer yeah, okay. one at a time uh, coming into the infrastructure so cloud foundry needs a iaas platform or infrastructure as a service platform to run okay so one of the thing it could be openstack or vsphere right now so once you are uh, once you are uh, in that space Uh, cloud foundry is not bothered about where the infrastructure is coming up so if your underlying infrastructure as a service layer is able to do that it has to just give the vms or virtual machines or whatever it is and this should be able to run on it mm-hmm. so if your underlying openstack is configured to run in the uh, in the private in the uh, basically in uh, hosted or hybrid or in the cloud burst mode the same thing is kind of kind of trickle well, cloud okay, foundry okay. Yeah. so this So you're saying uh, Cloud Foundry doesn't do anything special apart from the IaaS thing. Yes. So it kind of leverages the existing IaaS uh, technologies to do that. Okay. So that so is something I, which I is I have a slightly different question actually. Mm-hmm. So imagine I work on a small startup. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have nothing to do with enterprise side of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a small startup coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, my needs are extremely simple to start with. Uh, say example i am just shortlisting between amazon aws or google compute or with cloud foundry this help me out in terms of which one should i pick up kind of thing yeah that is the game we are going to play okay so since my startup is extremely small i have a small hardware and software combinations coming up that is the that is a company product so we have a hardware development is set up completely going on and there is a software development is going on so now the software component has like multiple things like there will be an engineering framework part of it there will be engineering services part of it which will be like having small community where you interface with the with the with the independent consumer and stuff like that and you will also have something like a uh, framework which a uh, firmware which you have to develop for the hardware where you will interface that with multiple hardware vendors where you get a continuous integration cycle and stuff like that so in this kind of scenario if i want to choose between amazon aws or google compute or cloud foundry mm-hmm. so how exactly see the reason i could ask you this question is like i have come into the game very very late i don't know the history how they evolved and stuff like that it could be possible that one guy had initially developed a technology and the other guy would have copied right. i have just come in now <laughs> i am picking up these three products in the market 
Right. So if I have to choose between AWS, Google Compute, and Cloud Foundry, right. so how do you see in my kind of scenario as well? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, again, this is again a big question. I'll have to see <laughs> how I can I can divide and answer it. So how Cloud Foundry or any uh, PaaS platform works is uh, is slightly uh, different from the Amazon um, uh, Elastic Cloud. So what Cloud Foundry offers? is it offers an environment wherein you don't worry about the underlying software for example if you want to have a small application okay. which needs a web interface so it needs a web applica- web server and you need uh, uh, a web server and a uh, http uh, and a application server you need maybe a queuing system for uh, your messages you might need a database uh, you might also need uh, other esb uh, or middleware kind of components so if you go to regular amazon so you'll have to take a virtual machine mm-hmm. and you'll have to start building each of these components yeah. right and as you want to scale say for example uh, you have initially started a startup and you're you're okay to have one instance of this uh, one instance of the application server it is enough to do your load so you you can you can okay, you're okay there but then as you scale Uh, if you want to add say your application server is not scaling if you want to add one more mm-hmm. then you'll have to take one more uh, virtual machine and then you kind of uh, do the load balancing and then you connect with your database okay. so that is what you typically do in a in a regular so that that is actually i mean you are right but that's more from a pure uh, infrastructure as a service sort of an offering correct so amazon also does a lot of other things like yeah. they also do their own version of paas i mean i yeah. really don't know whether they use anything <laughs> underneath like cloud foundry sort of thing but i mean the beanstalk thing what you're talking about i mean you don't need to worry about yeah you don't have to worry about it but underlying they are using the same probably uh, same yeah. same concept so uh, maybe instead of you creating the virtual machine they will create it for you they will automate the creation of virtual machine so if you want a new instance it is going to be created in matter of 5 to 10 minutes mm-hmm. but in case of cloud foundry they use the concept of containers mm-hmm. so what happens is uh, i mean i have to maybe explain the architecture of how cloud foundry right. works yeah we sort but of uh, <laughs> didn't discuss that so that that's the whole excitement around the container technology then the virtualization thing right correct, so correct. yeah so so that is the that is the core of uh, what this cloud foundry are the or the modern pass offerings are done so what i mean maybe before answering your question i'll just briefly touch upon the architecture of cloud foundry so cloud foundry has a, a router component wherein all the requests are coming in and then uh, there is something called droplet execution agent which mm-hmm. kind of manages the containers so any request which is coming into the cloud foundry comes to the router and it knows okay this instance is running here here uh, maybe it is in running in several places so if you want to scale so all these things uh, your application is running in the container now if you want to scale if you want to say you are having one instance if you want to create it into 10 instance so what this dea will do is it will uh, create another 10 containers distributed across your hardware uh, and then it will just tell the router that okay now there are more more than one instance of this running mm-hmm. and this can be done in few seconds so in terms of bringing up these containers so vms are previously it used to take lot of time it is kind of now improved it takes kind of maybe 5 to 10 minutes okay. but this containers can be brought up in a fraction in a, in a matter of few 5 to 10 seconds so if you kind of are sure 
that your load is increasing you can raise your one instance into maybe 100 instances in matter of a minute okay. so that is one thing and then when you are doing it your dns allocation your routing your uh, connection with the database they are all automatically taken care mm. so that is the uh, kind of key advantage in cloud foundry okay. or any of the pass platform container uh, compared to the regular thing so instead of creating 10 virtual machines and then you are running process it uses the container technology uh, yeah. to get but there, is, there there could also be a limit uh, on because it is uh, i mean if i understand these containers are essentially sort of a process correct uh, right so then at some point the, the virtual machine underlying it has to use some sort of virtualization right yeah. i mean either you use vm or whatever you still need to spawn another vm at some point because the underlying vm may run out of resources for that is, that handling is more containers yeah that is true so in in uh, in the cloud foundry when you create um, uh, the uh, cloud foundry instance you have an option to configure uh, where are my droplets or where are my containers going to run and you can allocate maybe three or four virtual machines for that mm-hmm. so okay. if you want to increase uh, you will have to uh, kind of go and increase it there are some uh, people open source communities mm-hmm. what they have done is they can monitor the utilization of these vms and they can spin up multiple vms and also so the container te- underlying container technology they use uh, vadin yeah so currently um, cloud foundry uses uh, their own uh, technology for containers which is called warden okay and uh, in the coming version they are uh, planning to introduce docker docker is uh, is another hot topic yeah. so <laughs> but so I coming back just to want to yeah. reiterate on one thing uh, i was just trying to do the similar scenario what i explained to you so i went to amazon elastic uh, elastic beanstalk basically i just created a local git repository mm-hmm. which is got a kind of a php based web application running on local thing and then downloaded a beanstalk cli interface to my client which is a small uh, command line utility which you can just download once i have done that uh, i i was able to go deploy the my web application which is running locally into amazon beanstalk aws beanstalk actually and then uh, it automatically went back and then looked at what frameworks i am using uh, it deployed the php and then started rolling out the application and it also just gave me an option to create a mysql database and then link them up and stuff like that so if i just look back between that that and then the similar functionality what google compute engine also does like if i just go to google compute engine today the, there is a there is an option where i just download a small package which is again another command line utility from my local repository i am able to deploy a web application directly into either compute engine or amazon actually yeah so i am just so, trying to think yeah, like I, I, i don't know anything about yeah, cloud foundry so i'm just trying to think in terms of where does yeah so yeah. technically uh, it uh, there could be subtle differences as i said uh, they might be using internally the virtual machine technology versus uh, okay. uh, this being container but other key advantage which i see is uh, when you take this application and run it on uh, uh, google uh, compute engine. Uh, compute engine you are kind of stuck to google compute engine you cannot take it and Uh, run it in azure you will have to kind of use azure's services so that, that that's the whole interoperability story which is again a big thing what no that is uh, what i feel right? it is not there anymore now that is the reason i was telling that i have come into the platform now actually 
I don't know about the history of yeah, it. Yeah, so there are two things. So, so now, uh, if you look at this, Elastic Engine allows me to give a MySQL, which they have a layer on top of it called Amazon Relational Database. No, that database. is fine. So if you use a standard out-of-the-box software, uh-huh. let's say something like WordPress, okay. it doesn't matter. But when you start developing your own software on it, right, uh-huh. that's when you see the problem, right? So for some reason, you don't, like say, I mean, you don't want one cloud provider for whatever reason, you want to move to another cloud provider. It, today, it, the interoperability is really a mess. Yes, it, it is. I mean, moment you start, let's say, using the RDS service, what Amazon gives, there is no equivalent in Google, right? You need not actually, because your underlying database is stored in MySQL. You need not. But you are still tying up to some of the Amazon services. No, right? I'm not tying up to anything actually. All I'm doing is. No, no that's it. Your is fine. I'm deployed in Amazon. No, if you're using MySQL directly, then it's fine. If you are using some of the, maybe RDS bag, bad example, I don't know, but maybe S3 for storage, Amazon S3 for storage. Uh, right. So the, my, my, my application sits on bucket. So that is this thing. But it is a completely source code which I have deployed. I am able to get that out also. I am just trying to think, it could be something which what Amazon has done now, based on looking at a competitor. So that's why I said I don't know that actually. Yeah. No, uh, the other thing is, uh, if the if you are like even a startup right and especially from a place like Bangalore or India where the network is a little patchy yeah. uh, you can't really uh, I mean there are troubles developing directly on cloud so you want something definitely on your desktop or maybe in a small server in your in your garage wherever you are developing so that's also helps right because it's a completely local instance is running I'm just deploying the code where I have de- where the local instances so you have to take the pain of setting up all that right so when you actually run cloud foundry sort of a private cloud in your office uh-huh. right in your garage whatever wherever you're developing then the idea of what these guys are also doing which will touch upon is these guys are partnering with cloud companies like I think they're done with like, Microsoft uh, yeah so so now I mean answering that question also in a so you, you can pretty way. much take the same uh, whatever you're running on your on-prem cloud foundry and then just take it and run it on Azure without anything. No specific changes actually. So, I mean, Cloud Foundry, Pivotal is offering Pivotal web services. Similarly, IBM is having their own publicly hosted service called Bluemix. Okay. And there is a uh, similar offering by HP called HP Helion. Okay. CenturyLink is also having similar thing and there is something by Active State. They are all based on Cloud Foundry. Mm-hmm. So, when you want to deploy an application onto Cloud Foundry, irrespective of the stack you use okay. if it is say for example mysql you can just give the api to connect to the ibm stack and say push application uh-huh. into the ibm it gets pushed into this you don't have to go and create your database or queues or uh, anything uh-huh. whereas if you are for some reason if you want to move away from ibm to something else you can just change the api from uh, ibm url to maybe pivotal web services url and you should do it uh, there is a command called cf push okay. it should automatically push the entire thing to the so it is that seamless we have tried i have personally tried for a, a small uh, sample application and it kind of works very seamlessly okay. i kind of connected from eclipse so connected to bluemix and deployed an application uh, right. Beanstalk again gives you that but it could be something where they have fixed it now since yeah. i'm coming now mm-hmm. then i have yeah, but very biased. Huh? That, that is right. To, I mean, Beanstack is fine, but 
can you take the same beanstack application and to uh, uh, do it into google app engine yeah, right away because you are deploying your own code actually yeah there is nothing with amazon binding you do it there actually mm-hmm. so all the development is happening in my local machine i create a local git repository and i just only download the client utility mm-hmm. which just deploys this back into stack i mean the so yeah so maybe they would have done it now i don't know yeah, so, so, yeah. so i was an aware of beanstack uh, before that. Okay. okay so i was just trying it out to i, I know only easy to yeah. <laughs> okay so that is but that may be their devops sort of a story yeah, yeah. but i think the things get when things get complex when i think where it really shines if you are like say a software provider right mm-hmm. and you are making your own software the other biggest area yeah. uh, where this helps is how do you deliver this software not on cloud i mean running on cloud as a saas kind of an offering is known i mean you don't need to worry about it but let's say if you're shipping the software mm-hmm. for your customers who want to run in their own environment their own data centers this becomes a big plus because it takes care of all the headache of you installing that you may use lot of underlying infrastructure components all that is all gone mm-hmm. so you just say if you we are is cloud foundry complaint and if your data center is cloud foundry complaint this is the package right yeah. and then you just run it in no time actually yeah. okay so again that's a big plus because if you are uh, if you are a software provider and you have like lot of underneath infrastructure to set up mm-hmm. this kinds of reduces the time and also it's seamless yeah. i mean one again is the is the um, as you said the public cloud but then if you want to take the application and run in your own data center okay. right you will have to maybe set it up mm-hmm. all those things so whereas here if you have an internal uh, cloud foundry instance you can kind of run it so same beanstalk kind of flexibility it kind yeah. of provides lot of other options plus inside out so you can have internal cloud uh, external cloud and within the external cloud there are many such yeah. offerings which are there so that is the key so in, in it's you brought me to that scenario i also want to ask you so if i if i'm say i like again go back to the same example say i'm in a hardware software combined startup i'm doing mm-hmm. uh if i have to just shortlist if i want to say the scenario you brought in where you said like want to run my own cloud infrastructure where i will deploy multiple applications stuff like that if i have to shortlist between open stack and cloud foundry mm-hmm. where will you score actually Okay so cloud foundry runs on top of open stack okay so open stack is more like a infrastructure as a service right. offering which right. will take your virtual i mean basically your physical server and virtualize it and you can actually write some shell uh, uh, chef puppet scripts to automate building of your uh, databases and things like that so okay. it's basically automating building of uh, some of your components So again, there also you have something like the uh, OpenStack Elasticity, which is like OpenStack Nova or something. Right. I'm I'm more familiar on OpenStack side than Cloud Foundry, so I'll probably just ask you equivalent to what I know actually. Yeah. So for me, if I look at OpenStack, uh, it gives a barebone, barebone. It it is like gives me complete control in terms of what I want to build it. So then, if I put a Nova. on open stack it also gives me set of apis where i should be able to go create the telasticity was 
for what amazon gives me or anybody else yeah. so in if that can if i'm just we are both are competing and then i would come and ask you like shall tell me the difference between this and cloud foundry then yeah so i mean so open stack is predominantly in the uh, in the virtualization space you you take the um, hardware servers and then virtualize it and then now they are going into the next level wherein they are offering databases uh you can actually so that is the process. fundamental difference between an infrastructure as a service and the pass pass imp so, sort of like so what i mean if you see this uh, i uh, the yeah but the, but openstack know is exactly the so I that is one part that. of it so that is one part of it so that is database is one part so using the uh, platform as a service or a pass layer so what they have created is you, they have created a platform for application so which is running your application so uh, when you take uh, a pla- i mean if you take uh, openstack you will have to build uh, the database layer that is only thing which is available similarly to have a layer wherein you can run your service bus or your uh, internet of things platform or you, you want to run your integration platform so this kind of takes and builds on top of openstack or ias layer there are some things which are still competing so whatever you are offering in the cloud foundry which is uh, or a pass layer which is platform as a service for database so that is something which is which openstack is also doing so there are some things which are uh, which are um, mixing mixing overlapping. overlapping there but then this platform is specific for it it is basically it assumes that you have the uh, infrastructure there and then when a developer comes in you have all the things which is ready you have a queuing system you have a messaging system you have a application layer you have a database layer you have a no sql database layer you have a sql database layer you have a in memory database layer so all these things you it is there for you so as a developer i have a code and i will run it i don't have to worry about what is underlying there whereas in openstack you you have an infrastructure and you will start building okay i want to have a database layer you take the open stack okay no open stack nova is a add on which is offering you databases similarly yeah. there might be things coming in so this is there is more flexibility for me right because i can today work on that and add whatever i want mm-hmm. and tomorrow say for some reason mysql is dead and post postgres is coming that gives me that kind of flexibility as a company for me to move forward and adapt to things right because when i look at something like i don't know about cloud foundry i can't even comment about it so, so how how cloud foundry does is uh, you can actually interact with this layer so okay. in case of in case there are offerings like nova which is uh, maybe it is providing the database you can call, you can use leverage that uh, you, you have the application piece which is running your tomcat server or uh, ibm vsphere server or any of the jbus server so you can use some of them but database you connect to your offering in the open stack so that flexibility is still there with you okay. so that that is still there but i am some i am big fan of open stack also because i the reason i come back to that is again another scenario i will explain in fact uh, in fact um, there is a buzzword going on uh, which they say open stack and uh, cloud foundry these are uh, uh, this is a partnership made in heaven okay <laughs> so many companies uh, there is a company by name piston Uh-huh. so they predominantly sell this combination of open stack and uh, cloud foundry they have a they have a open source so if you see open stack is more on the infrastructure layer 
and this is in the next layer so you have a say for example you want a content management platform you can run on this whereas openstack might not be wanting to do a content management platform here okay. so when you bring in the platform for content management integration or your apis this is where your layer comes i think more than the out of the box offering right we're talking about uh, what is there out of the box like cots tools right but if you are developing i think the biggest thing i also see going back to the if you are a software services sort of a company i mean a software product company i think it it can give you significant reuse sort of a thing in terms of this microservices architecture what they call right? so i am developing some service which i want different product teams in my company to use it oh. this is this is a very effective way to deliver that as a service on the on the, on the pass layer okay uh, and then everybody just start leveraging that it could be a simple like a notification service for example mm-hmm. a very custom built notification service right that is something where i think this kind of platform helps so you just package them nicely in that and then yeah, make it as a microservice that definitely as a role but i'm just trying to understand That, that is where this is a playing a big part because if you go back to the argument of uh, can I run my SQL as an infrastructure like an AMA image or can I run as like a pass service, you may not see much significant. I mean, like plus here, right? I think when you start developing your own services, that's when it really starts making a difference actually, and yeah. that's when you. That is when you really need more control, finer control on your SaaS layer, right? Because like. that is when you will start moving towards from not from proprietary then go into your own building customized components where you can just build from the raw work something like uh, openstack which gives me that complete capability where i can just go plug in and plug out any no but your have. service could be a combination of many underlying services right it, you you are probably building a service which underneath uses lot of the commercial or open source software right yeah. and then you nicely package you don't say to the end, end customer saying I re- okay for this service you need to have MySQL you need to have this queuing that queuing you just package that into one single microservice and that's where the Docker sort of container things comes in and then you just nicely container it and then give that as a container so your customer don't need to really worry about okay I have to install MySQL this database that queue and all that so you just run the service. Do all any, that anybody on the web model sell some application like that? I don't think so. <laughs> No, I see that if you are, say, I mean, uh, you don't really do that actually. The web model is like you don't package them like that and sell it. Right? Yeah, so it is like a SaaS. That comes to SaaS discussion, right? So you you go and subscribe for let's say Salesforce. You don't really ask Salesforce what are your underlying yeah, stuff here. Yeah, you don't need supposed. You don't need supposed to. to do it. Uh, so if I am let's say selling a software like Salesforce, so, yeah, I'm, I'm saying I'm a guy who developing Salesforce actually. Correct. So for your for your end customer, this sort of gives you a platform to give that easily, right? So your end customer doesn't really worry about. Let's say you want to run Salesforce on-prem. Take it as an example, and you are developing a Salesforce on-prem version. They don't need to worry about all the underlying things you use. It just comes as one service. Every part of the service has a role, but I'm just trying to think that. See, it is naturally they are just trying to competition between like if I want to really. it is like it is what you want to consume is like end of the day we make the decision but i i also see like there is something like trying to understand the product with respect mm-hmm. to what i already know yeah i mean another thing it's basically openstack is one of the infrastructure as a service right okay. so similarly there are uh, there are vspear or uh, 
Yeah, there are many other like so, cloud stack. Yeah, so the cloud foundry is playing in a space wherein it can run on OpenStack or it can uh, it can run on vSphere. Okay. So it kind of takes it is actually in the in the higher up space. It will uh-huh. takes okay. the underlying infrastructure as a service is given to it. So what is there? If it is good in that, you use it. Otherwise, you can kind of build upon it. Mm-hmm. So. OpenStack is one of the options. So if you want to take this Cloud Foundry run on your OpenStack, which is in your premise, you can run that. Mm-hmm. And then you take this OpenStack and run on AWS. AWS might be running, uh, 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 they might give a uh, OpenStack, but then they have other offering. So okay. you can run on that. So that is the advantage of Cloud Foundry. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to worry about the underlying infrastructure as a service provider. And it can pretty much run anywhere. Mm-hmm. So your applications are shielded from there. I think it is also a sort of an abstraction which is now you are seeing in, in the cloud computing world, right? Like how you used to be a low-level language, high-level language, if you go back. You, you could do some things very, very, very tough using an assembly language. And then you could do it much easier because like C or C++ or something takes care of a lot of things. So that is exactly what IAS and PASS is. So if you want to still go bare metal and do everything, you can still do it. No, no not to the so, assembly level. No, I'm saying, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a kind of an analogy I'm drawing. Here. But if you go to PASS layer, right, so it essentially, at some point, we are still today talking about queuing systems, which are very specifically like RabbitMQ. But I think over a period of time, that will go away. You won't realize you are using Rabbit or you are using some other queuing like Kafka or something. You will be just consuming on service there okay. that is where I think PaaS will eventually get have to get into is what I am my thought process may be wrong <laughs> yeah. so you don't need to worry about syntax semantics which are very specific to Rabbit which are very specific to Kafka so if they abstract it and say this is a queuing service what this platform provides and let's say Cloud Foundry sort of platform vendors takes care of okay they replace this Rabbit MQ with something else Kafka but their application is completely uh, abstracted from all the changes you are just tying up to a service i think that is where i think the significant i mean shift in architecture should be right? so you don't no the reason i was saying is that that is kind of a done and deal and everybody knows these kind of standards and services are there the scenario what i was trying to explain it is, is still not done right so there's still people developing for let's say rabbit and humans they are they are developing for rabbit yeah. You can't really, you can't just in one flip of a button change RabbitMQ to something else. It's not possible. Okay. Yeah. There's still a lot of semantics goes into your code and everything, right? Okay. Now, one other scenario I will explain you where we generally use OpenStack actually. Okay. So, yeah. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, the typically what if you look at it as like enough. You know, Former development, if you are doing it for, it could be any hardware actually. Mm-hmm. So you do something like a continuous integration process is one thing, which is like right. you have your your partners who are also doing their own drivers, and you are also doing your own firmware. You and you continuously integrate with them, and you release it, and you will have multiple code base within multiple teams who uses it. And the thing mainly there is that you want to build something this every day, night automatically, and. Hmm. spin a hardware instance test it you don't want to do anything all of that something like a JetBrains or something will basically do it in the night for you it will compile all the binary it will run it will package them with the with the required frameworks and binary and everything and then it will spin its own VM or something like that and it will run a test on that and then it will come back and log in and do it 
So if you just look at this scenario, OpenStack completely works very nicely on that. Mm-hmm. I don't know any other service on the market which can even go do something like this actually. Yeah, see, some of these things which are which are like spinning up a VM and doing something that will still continue with uh, IAS layer or OpenStack will still continue to do. Okay. But then it, this is slightly trying to play in the higher level. So for example, you, you want to write a business analytics application and you need uh, Hadoop kind of environment. You need uh, you need a um, Hawk which is like a Hadoop with query or you need lot of other uh, application servers or uh, databases. So what you can do is this is offering a particular platform and you kind of start using it. Underlying infrastructure, what is best to suit this, whether it is provided by OpenStack, uh, it is running on OpenStack, you can leverage it. So it is slightly playing in the higher level. Yeah, right. The core things which is on the infrastructure, this needs, the past needs an infrastructure layer to run it. So for example, Cloud Foundry runs on top of your uh, OpenStack. So all the things which is there in the OpenStack, you can use it. But when an application developer comes in, he doesn't want to worry about where my VM is there, whether VM is getting provisioned, he doesn't care. Okay, what I want, I want to run an application. And what I need? I need an application server. So it gives, you don't have to create an application server. It has the best mm. application server. You kind of just deploy the application server on the fly. So that is that is the key difference. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that even the layers at some point, I mean, we, there is a lot of redundant thing happening across and I think it is very tough to get all of them onto one common standard yeah. and all that because so for your scenario what is best you you just go just and, and also it is very tough to even pick a cloud vendor today actually right because yeah. each of them is competing trying to distinguish themselves and creating some proprietary services on their own I think we should do an episode where it says okay now you are this kind of company you should probably just right. this right. this yeah. services you can use and stuff like that yeah so I think you have kind of uh, hit 45 yeah running <laughs> running <laughs> out of time but I think there is so much to talk about this entire cloud computing technology I think uh, we are going to invite you for one more <laughs> sure, sort so. of a deep dive where we will talk about uh, the future of PaaS and also other pivotal offerings like the, they also play a big role in big data, right? Yeah, they, they recently offering. Yeah, um, they recently announced uh, open sourcing of some of their uh, big data stack, um, which is uh, Hawk, which is uh, okay. it, mm-hmm. it's for uh, using your um, non-SQL, uh, traditional data or uh, the non-SQL data as uh, queries. So that is one thing. And they have uh, Green Plum and Jumpfire. Uh, they have also open source. That is that is something which is yeah. So big data is another really big yeah. <laughs> discussion. I think. I think I should take leave on those days. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> no interest. <laughs> so what's up with uh, so let's just uh, lighten up a little here. So I mean I was like super excited with India beating Pakistan yet again <laughs> at six zero. So I just tweeted it saying it is twenty three twenty four years. If you look, the kind of, I mean, the wins we have in six six times, right? So it's like amazing. So they were for me, I think I all the six World Cups I probably have watched. Uh, I think the only match I really was keen on all the six is this particular India Pakistan. Well, I'm sure you should, we will remember Tendulkar innings in 2000. Right. Yeah. yeah so. 
all of them i even remember the india i think it was 92 if i'm not wrong the meander and correct uh, yeah. uh, jumping uh, i think who was the keeper yeah, 96 kiran mohan yeah kiran yeah all those uh, like still fresh in my mind okay. so i think it is just cricket has just started i think this uh, you have to see i mean india has played well one match but no but still the, there are a lot of concerns around bowling and all yeah, but the, the interesting facts beyond cricket is that uh, there are 1.4 billion people watched india oh. pakistan match mm. and super bowl this year is watched by 140 million <laughs> <laughs> yeah so this is actually has to be bigger than super bowl actually of course it is yeah. i mean super bowl is just uh, kind of restricted only to just an american idea so this is this is whole world <laughs> so maybe you should compare with soccer rather than super bowl <laughs> so any other news interesting news you want to i mean anything happened i'm just eagerly waiting for india south africa <laughs> so i i think we talked about the uh, some of the pivotal story but anything any other interesting thing happened in, in the past weeks okay so that that's that's pretty much our episode uh, so thanks again murli for joining us today uh, yeah thanks subu for giving the opportunity <laughs> yeah so we have been definitely do one more episode as uh, subu said talk little bit more about cloud and also talk about very specific use cases on on cloud adoption and which way we should go on all that we'll talk so with that it's it's episode 5 uh, and talk to you next week bye 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 thank you